Welcome into the GT Counter Podcast. This is our Wednesday podcast of the week. It is week one of college football season, and we are excited to see what happens. Coming to you a day earlier than usual just because we have games all tomorrow night, so we want to get this out ahead of time and make sure the information is correct. Joining me, as always, is my co-host. It's the gray man himself. Grayson, how you feeling, dog? Oh, we're excited about week one. We got some good games matched up this week. Uh, we're excited. We're going to have football Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I mean, there's no better time of the year. We made it. We made it. And joining us for his third podcast in a row, although this will be his more normal spot here in the uh, weekend preview pods during college football season, host of the Moneyline Masterclass podcast, it's our guy Reed Rolas. Reed, week one is here. We made it. We've made it. We got a little taste last weekend. Wasn't enough to hold us over. We are on for a full-fledged slate here in week one. I could not be more pumped about it. Wish it was Saturday. A couple more days. I'm pumped. Yeah, yeah. But we've got the nice little Thursday appetizer plate right ahead of us. And while you're waiting on this weekend to get here, I would encourage you all to go listen to the Moneyline Masterclass on Spotify. Reed does a great job getting into the lines finding you some ways to make some money over the course of the year. So go give that a listen if you want to become a smarter, better, make yourself some more uh, some more Monopoly bucks over the course of this year. So go give go give him a follow, and uh, who knows, maybe you'll see some, uh, some more guest appearances from the boys over there as well. So I kind of know where we're at. Normally we'll do the weekend precap to see what, what's got us excited, but I kind of think I know where we're going with this. It's, it's got to be week one of college football. We're here, so we'll kind of skip the pleasantry there. And let's just jump right into the main event. The game of the night, Thursday, depending on who you ask, depending on where your allegiance lies, we've got Florida traveling to Utah, headed up to elevation. This was a fun game last year in Gainesville with Florida coming out on top. You had that highlight reel of Anthony Richardson making the highlight play to go ahead at the end of the game there. A lot of new faces for Florida, but a lot of same faces there in Utah. So, Grayson wants to rock. We're going to kick it over to him. What are you most looking forward to in this game? And kind of give us uh, give us what you're expecting out of both these teams. And uh, maybe uh, we'll save the pick for later since it's a game day pick. But kind of give us your rundown. Give us your feel of that game. I think I'm most excited to see where uh, where Cam Rising lies on this game. What uh, what level of health is he going to be in before game time? Um, it's going to be he, – he sound, seems to be a game-time decision potentially. Uh, Second-string quarterback for Utah also got hurt in fall camp. Could push them to a third-string guy. Um, kind of something to potentially worry about if University of Florida is uh, – they're not, I'm not sure if University of Florida is that good of a team. I think they're going to have a, a interesting roster. Um, and I still think they're rebuilding, but if you put a third-string quarterback in Utah – against a Florida team, it could be a much closer game than uh, one would expect if Cam Rising's playing. Yeah, it looks like the Vegas experts have this right about a touchdown. Looks like it's actually dipped under a touchdown here as of the time of recording at six and a half points for Utah. Kind of makes you think that Cam Rising might not be a go, but I think everybody is just speculating at this point. Reed, what do you think? Can Utah even pull this off without Cam Rising playing in this game? You know how I feel. I'm feeling Florida any chance I get. I love Utah's roster. Kyle Whittingham is the superior coach over there. Um, I don't really think it matters as a quarterback. I would take the value now. Um, I think that 
minus six and a half is, is figuring that uh, Cam Rising might not play. So, um, again, even if he doesn't play, I still I still like Utah. Um, I just think that they're much more talented and, and supremely better coach. So that's what I think. It is definitely a coaching mismatch. Nothing against Billy Napier. He did a great job at uh, with the Raging Cajuns down there in Lafayette. But different step up, and Kyle Whittingham is an absolute dog. Certified guy I want on my sideline whenever it comes down to it. So I want no part of this line, but... You know, if they if you told me, and we'll we'll do this here in the game day pick, but you know, there's one side I want to be on if it says you know who's going to win the game, and I think Utah's the better team regardless of who's at quarterback there. So that's a good little preview there. Going on to the next one, we've got one that pulls on Reed's heartstrings a little bit. Nebraska under Matt Rule, a lot of change there. Casey Thompson out the door. Obviously, we've got Scott Frost no longer there. And Matt Rule trying to build a culture against maybe one of the uh, most interesting and perhaps strongest cultures in the Big Ten. We're rowing the boat with the Gophers up there in Minnesota on Thursday night at 7 o'clock on Fox. Looks like the spread has jumped a little bit to 7.5 points in favor of Minnesota. Reed, you're an expert on the Big Ten, especially on your Gophers. Kind of give us a rundown of your new look Gophers, and then uh, what's what are you expecting to come out of this game? Yeah, I'm looking at right now at FanDuel, and it's showing me at seven. So actually, an even seven. So interesting note there. Um, yeah, just thinking about my Gophers. Um, you know, Flex done a great job there, built his culture just as he's wanted it. Um, but you have to think that with how much they've lost from last year. Now, this is going to be a different team, um, only returning 53% of production, which is 13th in the Big Ten. Don't love that. You're on your third offensive coordinator in the last three years. Don't love that. Um, you know, replacing your best player on offense. Minnesota ran the ball more than any Power 5 team in the country last year, and you're losing Mo Ibrahim. So a lot of change there. Um, it's going to be a big test for P.J., uh, tough schedule. So, you know, this game is going to be really interesting. Um, more so because I'm actually a little bit more optimistic on Nebraska um, than others might be. Um, just listen to Matt Rule. Um, wasn't, obviously, we know, was a little bit of a train wreck there in the NFL. But this college resume speaks for himself. He turns around programs. Um, nobody wanted that Baylor job. He went in there and made them a perennial 9-10 to win team isn't easy to do. Um, you know, I think, you know, it might not happen here in year one, especially game one. Um, but I like Nebraska. Uh, I know that might ruffle some feathers with you, Edsel, considering you um, like they're under. But, you know, going to be a different team there. Um, the huddle will be in full force. They've made it very clear that uh, the huddle will be a thing there in the Big Ten. So, It'll be interesting. Uh, brought in some transfers from Georgia. Uh, it's going to be a little bit more talented than, than you might think. So the line has it at seven. Uh, I don't know how to feel about that. I just, it's probably a stay away spot, but it's, I think it's going to be a fantastic game. We got Gus Johnson on the call. We're back, baby. Yeah, Grayson, it's a kind of a battle of a culture that's already been established versus 
Nebraska who's trying to build a culture from scratch. You know, typically I'd lean towards the established culture there, but what are you kind of feeling on this uh, opening night game? I think I like that uh, that sp- uh, spread at about seven. I know Nebraska is one of those teams that for a couple of years now, they always seem to be keeping themselves in the game. They never really lose by big marginal losses. They're always in the game, whether they win or lose. Um, I could see Minnesota that winning this game, but I don't see it being by much. I, uh, I like, I like that spread to go to go at seven or under there. You know, I'd have to lean towards Minnesota. I want no part of it, even at the even seven, but you know, it's a big 10 game. These games are played in a phone booth with especially these teams, a lot of physicality that we'll be expecting up front, probably on the lower scoring end of things, which is just how both teams want it. So, you know, I'm really not going to pick a side there. It's well chronicled. I'm on the, I'm fading Nebraska here in a culture setting year for Matt Rule. So, leading Minnesota here, but it's officially no play for me. But a good opening night tilt kind of set the barometer for both of these teams this year. I think it's a game Minnesota needs to get, and I think it's a game that Nebraska would like to get to set the culture. So, we'll see, uh, we'll see who comes out there in a real uh, defining moment in week one for both of those teams. We'll keep it in the central United States for this one. We're going Saturday morning, 11 a.m. on Fox. It's the big noon kickoff. We know that Gus Johnson will be there. Joe Klatt will be there, which is important considering the teams that are playing. We've got TCU playing host to Coach Prime and the Buffaloes of Colorado. Looks like the spread is 20 and a half in favor of the Horn Frogs, which is a big number to carry there. But TCU at home, coming off of the amazing year last season, obviously a lot of turnover, starting with the coaching staff. You've got Garrett Riley on the way out to Clemson. You're bringing Kendall Bryles from Arkansas, who, let's just be brutally honest here, hasn't had a great few years with Arkansas, given you know that they've had Rocket Sanders and some some pretty good weapons up there. But you know, it's a real culture defining game for. For Colorado, you know, Coach Prime wants to get it started on the right foot, but given the turnover there, I'm not sure there's anything to uh, to really expect other than for it to be entertaining as hell, which should be fun. But uh, I'm curious to see what your read is on uh, on this game here, Reed. What do you have for us on uh, the Frogs and the Buffs? Yeah, talk about unpredictability. You know, I, I could see this game uh, – being a blowout from TCU, I can see them, you know, carrying some momentum from last year. I know they don't have the roster um, that they've had in the past, but uh, Colorado with so many different pieces, such little time to gel, um, wouldn't surprise me if they struggled early at all. Um, but on the other side, they do have a lot more talent than they've had in the past. Um, the quarterback play has been horrible. You bring in Shadur Sanders, Deion Sun, and you're thinking, okay, Maybe there is, um, you know, he is bringing his culture right away. Things do change quickly, and do they keep it close? So I have no feel for this game. I'm not even going to try and act like I do. Um, I, I don't know where this is going to go. You know, you'd have to think that TC is probably going to win this game, but um, it, it's really, it could go, it, it, I have no idea. I'll, I'll leave it at that. 
Yeah, Grayson, what's your feel on? I know we're uh, we're kind of anti buffs here, but uh, do you have any sort of feel for this one at all? I feel as if uh, Colorado is going to come out really hot out the gates. They're going to be they're I mean they're going to be a hungry team. Dion's going to give them that pep talk. They're going to come out. They're going to play hot at the beginning. Colorado and TCU through two quarters is going to be a really tight game. Um, I think TCU fends off the buffs in the third in the second half and. Don't know if they're going to break the spread, but I think they fend them off by probably two tutties. You know, it's an interesting game considering starting next year, this is going to be a conference game. So not sure if Colorado is going to try to, you know, prove that they're not going to be bullied in the new Big 12 starting next year. I really don't think that has a lot to do with it. I think Coach Prime has enough motivation on his plate to get the guys ready. But, yeah, it's a true, uh, a true who could say at this point. I want nothing to do with it, but – I will certainly be tuned in because there is uh, there's the potential there for something cool to happen. But do I think it will? No, I, I don't. So good stuff there on the Thursday marquee games and then early Saturday. Coming up after this, we'll hit the Saturday afternoon slate. It's a well-known Husky podcast, so we will start with Washington. Then we'll hit the Battle of Carolina and then probably the game of the week on Sunday night right before Labor Day. So we'll hit those coming out of this break and get you set for the marquee matchups of the weekend. Coming back, we are a well-established Washington Husky podcast, so you know we have to talk about the week one game, 2.30 Central Time out west in Washington. We've got the Huskies favored by just a little more than two touchdowns. Looks like 14.5-15 against Boise State. The Broncos coming off an impressive year last year. You know, Boise State's an established culture out there, but we we know what Washington is, especially offensively. The line feels suspiciously low to me. I thought this would be closer to three touchdowns, but a lot of respect for Boise and who they are as a program. You know, if I had to lean one way here, I would take Washington just because I think their explosiveness is unmatched, especially for Boise State in a non-Power 5 defense. But curious to see your thoughts on this. The Huskies have a chance to get off to a great start here against a quality team. What do we think about the Huskies? A little bit more than two touchdowns here. Yeah, the line would have you believe that the game's in Boise State, which it's not. It is in Washington. So, again, a little suspicious there. I would agree. Um, I still lean with Washington there. I think they cover with ease. Um, I like Boise State. Don't love them. I think it's a little bit of a weaker conference over there. I know I talked about um, them as potentially winning that conference, but Washington's a whole different beast. They're not going to see an offense like that the rest of the year. Um, I think Washington could could walk away up with a with a twenty eight point win. Um, wouldn't surprise me at all. Uh, still going to be fun to watch, but I don't I don't think it'll be close. Grayson, we making it three for three on the Huskies in week one. I want to agree with you guys. I think that Washington. I think Boise State's a really good team. Uh, like Reed said. They're probably going to be fighting for that Mountain West Conference out with Air Force and Fresno. Um, but, yeah, I'll think that uh, that Washington will probably probably run away with this late in the game. I could see 20, 21, 28 points. I think Washington's size will end up being too much for Boise State to overcome, but should be a solid test for them nonetheless to kick off the year. Moving on to the nightcap, we've got 6.30 on ABC Saturday night. This is the Battle of Carolina. We've got North Carolina against South Carolina. This is a neutral site game in Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. Looks like we've got UNC as the slight favorite at minus 2.5. 
Looks like it's juiced a little bit there, so we might see a three pop up. We've got Drake May versus Spencer Rattler. We've got Mac Brown versus uh, who is South Carolina's head coach? Oh, uh, Shane Beamer. Yeah, that's right. Beamer ball is in full effect out there. So South Carolina coming off a great year last year where they established the culture. I kind of think they caught lightning in a bottle against Tennessee, which made their year look a little bit better than it truly was. But you've got Drake May over there on the other side. UNC has a lot of depth problems at receiver, especially with some of the waivers that they haven't been able to get, especially uh, at the receiver position. I know, uh, what is his name? Tez Walker, who was uh, has so far not been granted that waiver to be eligible to play, which, come on, NCAA, let's do better. But uh, I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it now. I am all over North Carolina in this game. I think their offense is going to be too much for South Carolina to handle. I think it's a quarterback mismatch, and I think it's a coaching mismatch. So I am all over the heels against the Gamecocks in this game. What is your feel on this one, Reed? Yeah, I know it seems like almost everybody I've talked to is on North Carolina, minus two and a half. Um, I I don't know. I think, if anything, I would lean towards the over here. Uh, But just looking at this game, you know, I don't trust North Carolina's defense at all. I don't care who they play. Um, I don't think they can stop anybody. So I think South Carolina, you have a confident Spencer Rattler. You know, you have a confident team in general, like you mentioned, coming um, hot and to to the end of last year. So uh, it wouldn't shock me at all if South Carolina won this game. Um, I think it would shock most people, but it wouldn't shock me at all. And, you know, if I had to lean one way or the other, um, I think I'm leaning South Carolina. So uh, I just, I, I, Mac Brown, I can't, I can't go there and, you know, even worth their defense. So yeah, I, I lean South Carolina. I think the momentum last year was real and don't, don't quote me on it, but that, that's where I lean. Grayson, it's up to you to break the tie, big dog. Who you got? I think this is a scary tight game. I think it's going to come down to one or two possessions max. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. They're they're a neutral. They're a neutral territory too, aren't they? So there's this no is home, in Charlotte, yes, sir. Yeah, there's no home field advantage or anything to this game. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be scary tight. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to lean and uh, stay with the boys in the ACC because Notre Dame needs the strength of schedule. Give me uh give me North Carolina to to take out South Carolina. Uh, well, but I will get re- I, I will we'll get say beat that, off the uh, fence here at uh, at game day picks for it, but yeah. but go ahead, go ahead. I will say that I think uh, I think these teams are going to be this week. There's going to be a big marquee, two big marquee games in ACC SEC play, really setting the tone for uh, college football. You let us right into it. Sunday night, six thirty p.m. We've got probably the game of the weekend. You've got LSU. You've got Florida State. This one is also a neutral site game at Camping World Stadium in Ohio. Keep in mind, last year they played this game when LSU was at home, but it was at the Superdome in New Orleans. So last year was the crazy ending where LSU drove in for the touchdown that they thought would tie the game at the end, only to have the extra point blocked and still one of the craziest endings of the year. I blame Joe Tessitore for that. That dude is just an electric factory on the call. 
Still won't forgive him for the Texas is back thing against your Irish a few years ago when both teams ended up five and seven, but that's neither here nor there. So uh, game of the year, game of the week potential for sure. Maybe not game of the year, but these are two top 10 teams to start out the year. Returning quarterbacks, returning coaches and cultures, shaping up to be a good one. And uh, LSU is the slight favorite there at minus two and a half in the neutral side game, although it is in Florida. Uh, could be some weather. I know that there's a hurricane out running amok in the uh, the Gulf Coast right now that should pass by before Sunday gets here. So I don't think we'll have too much to worry about there. But, you know, we'll just have to keep our eyes out on that. But uh, what do we think about this one, gentlemen? It's, uh, you know, it's got the potential to be a banger. That's for sure. Yeah, it's the game I'm most looking forward to. Um, unfortunately, I have to wait until Sunday, although that might not be such a bad thing since no NFL this week. But, uh, you know, if you've heard me uh, throughout this podcast, I, I'm i a Florida State guy through and through. Um, I think their roster is really good. I think they've brought in uh, a lot of high-quality transfers, and I'm not necessarily buying LSU just yet. So even though LSU is favored, I like the Florida State money line here. Um, I honestly think they're probably more talented uh, and just might take a little bit more time. But even then, I, I like Florida State. I like Jordan Travis and Mike Norvell's boys. I think will come up on top. Grayson, we got an upset pick already from Reed. What do you think? Are you sensing? Uh, are you sensing a small, small underdog upset here from Florida State? Uh, if the viewers could see right now, I have my, my headdress on. If I know anything about, uh, Brian Kelly, I know that he's really good at choking big time games. Give me, give me Florida state to win. I love it. I love it. And I will make it three for three. I'll probably take the points if I go anything on this, just because, you know, last year this game was played in a phone booth and I think it's probably set up for something similar this year, but I think, I think Florida State has the potential to be the better team. I think they have the better quarterback straight up. And I know they have the better coaching staff with Coach Norvell down there. So all that all that being considered, plus you're closer to tally down there, it's uh, it's all lining up uh, Seminoles for me. So we will make it three for three, and we will take Florida State there in the marquee game of the week. Well, good stuff there on our marquee matchups. Coming up after this quick break, we've got to hit some small school chaos. You know, we love our small schools here at the GT Counter Podcast. So we've got three lined up for you for our small school slate of the week. And then we'll get into our game day picks, just uh, college game day style. We're just picking them straight up. So uh, unfortunately, no headgear here for any of us. Although, uh, you know, if somebody wants to come sponsor us, we'll buy some headgear and uh, blow it out on TikTok. But uh, until that day comes, we will just get our picks out. But Coming up, we will go ahead and get to that and uh, get you set up for the weekend. Coming back, we've got our small schools. You know we have to show some love to the to the non-Power 5. It's our group of five grab bag, our small school slate of the week. We're starting it off Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. up there in Storrs, Connecticut. We've got NC State hitting the road in a weird one. They're headed up to UConn. For the early game of the week, it is 6.30 local, 5.30 God's time, as the Lord intended here in the central United States. NC State, they opened as 17-point favorites, which 
you know, that sounds about right. But a lot of steam coming in on UConn. This number is down to almost exactly two touchdowns. It's 14 and a half right now. Just going to spoil what I have. I had I got the Huskies at 16 and a half. I think that was a great number. I still like the number now against NC State. First game of the year could be a potential sleepy spot for the Wildcats. And uh, if they underestimate UConn at all, there's some upset potential there. So Coach Jim Mora has the boys ready. Didn't lose a ton from last year. But uh, NC State is a worthy opponent there for sure. So, Reed, I'll kick it to you. What do you think about the, uh, the Wolfpack and the Huskies? Yeah, like you mentioned, um, UConn kind of coming on late. People are are loving the Huskies over there. Um, NC State, you know, their identity is, is through their defense. Um, bringing Tony Gibson in, he's going to run his 3-3-5. Uh, they were the number two defense in the ACC last year, so it should remain elite this year. Only question is how are they going to transition to the 3-3-5? Um, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, in week one, I think that favors the Huskies, like you mentioned, just because, you know, it, it's your first game in a new defense. Um, missing some guys there as well. But, you know, the big question is offensively, you know, having to replace Devin Leary, uh, who moved on over to Kentucky. Um, they did bring in Virginia transfer, Brandon Armstrong at quarterback. So how is he going to fare? Uh, the, the issue is who is he going to throw the ball to? The receiver in tight end room. Uh, is a ginormous question mark. So, I mean, the starting tight end or tight end is a converted running back. So, that should tell you just about all you need to know there. Uh, you know, it, I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game by any means. Um, you know, I think you got great value there in your in your UConn pick. But you know, I, I still think NC State probably probably wins the game. But you no, know, it wouldn't shock me if it was close at all. Grayson, you see the Wolfpack from time to time there with Notre Dame. What's your read on the Wolfpack going into this year? You know, uh, it's going to be interesting to see them play this uh, this upcoming week against UConn. I've heard a lot of good stuff about UConn in, in uh, fall camp. Heard a lot of uh, Around the Horn talked about them, Cover 3 podcast talks big about into UConn about how they're going to be a good team. Uh, as a Notre Dame fan, hope that NC State doesn't lose to them as we uh, – we take on NC State in Week Three, but you know you never you never know with a with a NC State team. They're they come out and they show up in some games and other games they're asleep for the whole time. So it'd be should be an interesting one. Yeah, I agree. I I think NC State wins the game, but UConn, especially that sixteen and a half number, it was too many for me to to give up there. So I will take the Huskies there. I'd take them now too. I mean, there's really not a huge difference between 16 and 14, so we'll, we'll keep it there with the Huskies at that number well. Coming up next in the battle of what I thought should have been a Big 12 conference game, but UTSA went to the American instead. We've got UTSA, a very, very slight favorite, at Houston Saturday at 6 p.m., in a game last year at the Alamo Dome that was decided in overtime, a game that UTSA, kind of be honest, kind of choked away there. Uh, a few mistakes down at the end, especially in overtime, led to uh, Clayton Toon helicoptering his way into the end zone to win the game at the death there in overtime. So Frank Harris is back. Houston has a little bit more turnover there, but the game is at Houston. So uh, I've already made this pick as well. I took uh, UTSA when they were plus one and a half. Uh, I still like them and basically pick them spot here as well. So give me the, 
give me UTSA. The the runners are the more experienced team. They're more they're well coached team with Coach Trailer. Nothing against Coach uh, Coach Holgerson there in Houston, but I think the more experienced team gets the job done here on the road in Week One. Any thoughts there, gentlemen? Yeah, it's it's interesting to see, kind of see the fall of Houston. You know, um, had a couple of years there with Greg Ward, um, but you know it's it's not the same Houston team that you've seen. Um, you got Frank Harris at UTSA. Love that guy. Uh, you know, the line has shifted, like you mentioned. Um, I, I'm probably riding there with you with UTSA, I'll, even though it is in Houston. Um, you know, we meet meep around here. Yeah, we are meet meeping all the way through there. Then our last one, which I will kind of take the rock with on this one, two of the conference favorites to begin the year. We've got South Alabama traveling to Tulane, 7 o'clock on Saturday night. That game is going to be on ESPNU. It's going to be a good game. Tulane is favored by just shy of a touchdown. That is 6.5 points. A lot of turnover from Tulane. Obviously, Ty J. Spears has gone to the league, but uh, Coach Fritz down there at Tulane runs a solid program. They didn't beat USC last year off smoking mirrors in the Cotton Bowl. So tough spot, I think, for South Alabama to try to go into New Orleans and win that game. Uh, six and a half does feel like a lot, to be completely honest with you, between these two teams. So not sure I'm going to take a side there. But uh, I do believe Tulane is the better team. So if I had to lean one way, I would lean there on that one. So that kind of goes through our small school slate of the week there, which leads us into our game day picks. We don't need points in this segment. We just need winners. So we've got three of them lined up for you. First off, Thursday night, it is Florida at Utah. Uh, I'll, we'll go around the horn here. We'll start it off with Grayson since he previewed that game. Uh, who you got? Just straight up, Florida or Utah on that one? Oh, I think Cam Rising being a player that's potentially not going to play in the game could make the game a little bit closer. Um Still don't think there's any way that uh, Utah loses to Florida. Give me Utah. Good stuff there. Reed, let's kick it over to you. Same question. Who wins? You know how I feel about Florida. Not a chance. I'm going with Utah. I will make it three for three. I will uh, not be backing the the, uh, Graham Mertz experience whatsoever this year. So give me the Utes, Cam Rising or not. Give me the Utes there all day. Game number two, we go to Saturday night. It's going to be the Battle of Carolina. We've got North and South Carolina. Tight spread there again, but once again, we're just looking for a winner. We'll kick it over to Grayson this time. Who we got? We got uh, the Heels or we got Beamer Ball? I think Drake May comes out and plays first team to 50 football. Heisman Trophy Watch, he's got to make a name for himself. Give me UNC. Reed, I think you already kind of tipped your hand at this one, but you kind of rode the fence a little bit. So uh, giving no points whatsoever, who you got straight up? Yeah, when it comes down to it, um, like you mentioned, lightning in a bottle. I think there's still a spark there. I'm taking Beamer Ball in South Carolina. Breaking the tie here, we know where I lie on this one. It is Tar Heels all day in this one. I do think it's a high-scoring game. Wouldn't be at all surprising if it's, you know, something like 48-38 or something like that. But I think UNC's offense is just too much for South Carolina to overcome. So give me that one in a uh, over special. Give me a, a gong, show, gong show special there. And then Sunday night, game of the week, we've got LSU and Florida State in Orlando. We'll kick it over to Gray. 
big game there. Brian Kelly, Coach Norvell over there. We got Jordan Travis. We got Jaden Daniels. Who's our winner there on Sunday night? I know we talked about this earlier. I know I said I liked Florida State. Um, but I think that uh, I'm not going to pick the same exact draft as Etzel. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to take Brian Kelly and LSU to win. Switched it up on us. Okay. All right. Reed, where do you fall? Yeah, uh, I love Florida State here. I think they are a top eight team in college football. When it's all said and done, um, go ahead and give me Florida State. I like the Knowles as well. Better coach, better quarterback. That's all I need to see. So Knowles in this one and what should be a fun one. Good stuff there. Coming up after this quick break, we've got to introduce a new game to you. We're going to uh, see who can own the board this college football season. So we'll introduce that, and then we'll hit our odds and ends as well. Coming up. Welcome back. It is time to introduce our new game show. Every week on our weekend precap show, we're going to play Own the Board. Each week, we give our guys 100 Monopoly Bucks to go out on the FanDuel Sportsbook and, of course, wager responsibly with their Monopoly money. We just give them 100, 100 Monopoly Bucks, go find some winners, see who they like, and we'll track it throughout the year. And then first place, we'll... Uh, it sounds like a roadhouse dinner could be a line, but we'll see. We'll uh, we'll see how the uh, the winner decides to negotiate. So, we will kick it over to Grayson first, who I understand has a uh, a bold strategy for the week on this pick. So, uh, we will send it over to the Gray Man with his uh, Monopoly money bags on the board pick of the week. Some of these guys are going in a little bit more in depth than I am. They're going to have three, four, five picks, maybe. Uh, Reed's talking about a potential parlay. I'm talking we're, we're putting all the money on one team. That's how we're that's our strategy. Make the big bucks while we can. Um, really like this Fresno State Purdue game. You got uh, Purdue is going to be the favorite by three and a half points in this over under at 48 points. Uh, Purdue coming in with a new head coach taking Illinois defensive coordinator. And you got Hudson Car uh, Hudson Hard running the helm there. I just don't know how much I uh, how much I like that guy. Is it? It's Hudson Card, huh? I'm wrong. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought I said it right the first time. That's my fault. Um, give me a give me Fresno State plus one fifty four money line. All of the monopoly bucks on that. We love to see the bold play. No uh, no risk it, no biscuit from the gray man this week. Well, you're going to be the expert on this field, the guy who does this for a living. Reed, I'm excited to see your plays. I have not been tipped on these, so uh, lay it on us. What do you have? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you're going to have two separate plays here. First one's going to be a $50 parlay. Uh, I want the Louisville spread, minus eight uh, at Georgia Tech. Um, like Louisville there, I want to parlay that one with Rutgers minus six and a half uh, home to Northwestern. So those are going to be $50 right there. And, you know, looking at the board, not a ton of other lines that I necessarily love. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, we've talked about this already. I like Utah minus six and a half for the other 50. That's a fair play there. That line has come down a lot. That's much more of a uh, interesting pick. 
You know, there were a lot of different ways I could go with this. I looked at Texas State and Baylor going over. However, too much steam on that number. We crossed the key one at 59. It's now at 60 and a half. That's just too much for me to lay there. I, too, looked at Utah trying to come back, catch the knife there on the number. Just couldn't get there with it. So uh, we're going to stick to uh, stick to the guys who got me here. So we're going with UConn plus the 14 and a half for uh, 22 Monopoly bucks there. Trying to win 20 bucks with that play just to uh, kind of get the momentum going on that Thursday night. Get us moving down the board. And then we go to Saturday with maybe one of the uh, – the best plays in college football, USC overs. We know that Alex Grinch does not call defense quite well. We know that Lincoln Riley calls offense very well. So at 65 and a half against Nevada, who granted can be a little bit anemic at times offensively, but I trust USC to get there for me. So we will take 22 Monopoly bucks there for uh, minus 110 to try to win 22 Monopoly dollars there on that one. Third play, I've already tipped this one, UNC minus the two and a half against South Carolina. It's minus 115, so I got to lay an extra Monopoly dollar of juice there, 23 to win 20, but that's fine. We'll, we'll take it and run. That's a good number, and I will accept it. And then lastly, a game that we haven't really talked about all that much, mainly because it's on Monday, and uh, we'll kind of hit this a little bit later, but Duke is getting 12 and a half at home from Clemson in a game where – you know, do I think that Duke has upset potential? Yes, but do I expect it? No. But sleepy spot, Monday night, Clemson's got to go on the road. Give me the 12 and a half with Duke for 33 Monopoly bucks, trying to win 30 Monopoly dollars there at minus 110. So to wrap it up, we've got UConn plus the 14 and a half. We've got USC and Nevada over. We've got UNC minus the two and a half. And we've got Duke getting 12 and a half at home. Grayson, go ahead and recap your one uh, massive play of the week. Got uh, got Fresno State winning money line at plus 154. For Reed, money. go ahead and lay it on us. Yeah, I, I, I think Rutgers is going to be very much improved. Um, lucky for them, first game of the year, they get to take on the train wreck. That is Northwestern. Um, you know, I won a parlay um, going on down that with Louisville. Um, again, we've talked about Louisville. I think even though it is the first game under the Jeff Brom era, I think that they are going to come out strong. Um, not a big fan of Georgia Tech. Um, and then we've talked about this at length, how much I don't think Florida is going to be good. So baiting the Gators there. Um or Utah. I love it. I love it. Good stuff there. We'll keep track of these throughout the year and see who can own the board over the course of this college football and NFL season. Can't wait to keep it up and uh, good stuff there, gentlemen. So on to the odds and ends where we kind of have to hit on something that broke late last Friday. Trey Lance, who had fallen out of grace with the San Francisco 49ers, was traded, which was not all that surprising. But he was traded to Dallas, which I do seem to think is interesting. I don't think Dak is in any sort of danger this year, but you know, it it just caught my eye that he's got a cap hit of sixty-six million dollars in twenty twenty-four, and then there's an out where you can kind of get off a lot of that money going forward. So, 
You know, do I think there's anything imminent there? No. Do I think that the Cowboys were dying to trade for him? Not really. But it's like when you walk into Sam's Club like Reed did today and you see you see that piece of pizza there. You think it should be a $5 piece of pizza because it's in it's in Sam's Club, you know, inflation is just through the roof. But you get there and you see that piece of pizza is $2 and you're like, "You know what? For the value that I'm getting here, I have to just pay this $2 and get this piece of pizza." I think in this case, Trey Lance is that piece of pizza. He was on sale. You got to pull the trigger just because of the value you're getting there. Grayson, I know you're the NFL guy here. I'm curious to hear your thoughts about Trey Lance, considering you know he's a young guy, was a recent overall. I think he was the number three pick a few years ago. The Niners gave up three first to get him. So, I mean, it's just a, a little bit shocking to see him fall out of grace. But I'm interested to see your thoughts on uh, on what you think of the move overall. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a humongous fan of uh, of this trade. I think it's really apples to oranges. I don't think either team's really getting anything overly great. I mean, you get a fourth round pick for a quarterback that's probably going to be your third string guy. I think Cooper Rush has still played really well last year in the games when Dak was hurt. I think Cooper Rush very well. You could see some of him this season if Dak isn't playing good football. Um, Trey Lance, guy got hurt, didn't have a very good fall camp. Don't really know where he stands. Maybe he's going to be better under a different system, but I couldn't imagine that a system being any easier than uh, the 49ers over there or any better fit for a quarterback of his status than the 49ers. So should be uh, should be an interesting one. Don't know how good uh, – how much he'll – how long he'll be in the league per se. I do have another um, – I'll let Reed talk on this in one second, but I do have another thing I found interesting after that trade happened – uh, Jerry Jones goes up to Will Greer, quarterback for the Cowboys, tells him before the preseason game against the Raiders that this will be your last game as a Cowboy. And this guy went out and played for his freaking career on Saturday. This stat line is absurd. 29 for 35, 305 passing yards, two tutties, 10 carries for 53 yards and two more tutties on the ground. Dude was an absolute unit on the field on Saturday and deserves another spot somewhere. That's a man who's going to be QB2 somewhere. I get the feeling that he's not going to be out of a job for long. He was a pro. I mean, he was kind of – obviously, he was locked here behind Dak. And, I mean, would I rather him over Cooper Rush? I mean, yeah. But that's just because I think that he's a bit more dynamic as a run threat as well. But, you know – it was a good story to see. Dak was in there cooking as the OC, which uh, is ironic to say the least. So if uh, Big Mike struggles to get plays off the Denny's menu this year, maybe uh, maybe we'll let Dak run the, sh- run the show from on the field. But, uh, you know, Reed, I'm a little bit surprised the Vikings didn't try to get active with the Trey Lance sweepstakes. Try to get him in there as a number two. You know, Kirk is never – never like the best option in the world. So I'm a little bit surprised to see that the Vikings didn't try to pull the trigger there. Yeah, from what I've heard, there was talks at the Combine, um, pretty decent substantial talks at the Combine that ended up falling through, um, and they did not re-engage. So that kind of tells you where their head's at. They're not thinking that they, you know, from my look at it, this is Kirk's last year um, under contract. They might not be looking for a stopgap. I think they might be putting all their chips in on either re-signing Kirk or trading up in the draft for, for somebody that they like. But, uh, yeah, I don't really 
understand the move with Trey Lance going to the Cowboys. Don't know why the Cowboys did it. Um, you know, when I when the trade first happened, I was thinking, okay, maybe he went for a sixth rounder, but a fourth which was a little heftier, a little steep than I would have thought. Um, it makes sense why the 49ers probably jumped all over that, even though you know how it's turned out for them. But I was shocked they were able to get back a fourth. Don't understand the fit at all in Dallas. So, yeah, not really sure about that one, Jerry Jones. But you know how he likes to make a name for himself. So, uh, also not surprised. And, you know, allegedly he didn't even tell uh, Mike McCarthy that he was making the trade, which is just so on brand for the Jones family as a whole. And giving up the fourth, while, yes, you did get the $2 piece of pizza, it does feel like you gave the uh, the uh, the man behind the counter a $3 tip on that $2 piece of pizza. It's like, you know, you could have just done with a dollar maybe, but you went for three for the customer service. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see. It's a questionable move to be sure, but there's no denying the arm talent. You just gotta you gotta refine those skills in a little bit, and uh, I'm a bit surprised that Dallas pulled the trigger. But do I hate the move at all? No, I think it's a move that winning teams make. They try to get themselves better, and you know how many fourth round picks turn out to be, you know, studs in the league. I mean, Dak was a fourth round pick, yes, but those come around once every 15 years. So, am I fine with the swing? Yeah, give me talented guys in the door, regardless, and. I think worst case, he comes in and can be a goal line guy. You bring him in in special goal line packages to kind of take some of the wear off Dak. But I like the move. I'm a fan. So I do good have stuff a, there. Go ahead, have, Gray. I do have one more thing to touch on that topic. I've seen this circulating a lot through social media, and it's the talk of Trey Lance's passing attempts and his uh, from high school all the way to the NFL. Um, and it actually shows that he has had less passing attempts in high school, in college, in preseason, and in his NFL games than Geno Smith had all of last season. So Geno Smith had more passing attempts last season than Trey Lance has had in essentially his football career. Um, kind of a crazy stat line if you think about it, especially for a guy that wins uh, what multiple national championships at North Dakota State. Um so, yeah, kind of a crazy stat line there. It makes the fit in Dallas a bit more confusing because really for the guy's well-being, he just needs to play, and he's not going to be able to get that chance here in Dallas. So, you know, I, I do kind of feel bad for him just in that regard that he probably does need to just go play. But, you know, when you when you flame out there, and I understand that Shanahan didn't want him, and, you know, that's part of the deal. But it's a little bit disappointing to see his fall from grace, but – you know, maybe he can still turn around. There's still he's still young. He's still uber talented, and uh, I think there's still something to work with there. So coming up next, we will kind of pivot away from football and get into our true odds and ends. We've got to touch on the FIBA World Cup. Is Reed going to issue an apology for Rudy Gobert in France? That's what the people want to know. Then we will uh, hit a little. We might have time for a top three draft. We will. Uh, we will kick it around over the break and see what we can do there. But uh, coming up, we'll uh, get this thing on the road and uh, get us finished out and get us ready for college football week number one. Coming back, as we record this, there was an upset in the FIBA World Cup over the weekend. We had France, who was widely considered one of the top five favorites of the, of the whole tournament. They lose to Latvia, minus Kristaps Porzingis, which is just tough, but it's so on brand for KP. But that's neither here nor there. 
But Reed, as someone who has so many wolves in this FIBA World Cup, obviously your guy Cat is doing well. Ant is the unquestioned leader of the American team. But Rudy, in this game, win to keep your keep the tournament hopes alive. He gets one shot attempt. Just a single shot attempt out of Rudy. I, I don't get it, but you know that's kind of who Rudy is as a player here nor there. But are you going to apologize for, for Gobert in this one? Listen, I'm just going to go on the record and say I think that Rudy Gobert is nothing more than a role player. He is what he is. He's not posting up people. Is he 7'3"? Yes. Should he be more skilled? Yes. Is he? No. So, I, you know what? I, I've seen enough of Rudy. You know, I actually think it's a blessing in disguise. Get his team out. Get him healthy because we have bigger fish to fry here in Minnesota. So, you know what? I'm not all that disappointed. I know what he is. I know he's not going to create for himself. So, if Evan Fournier doesn't want to pass on the ball, then I'm not too hurt about it. I will say, just having watched some bits and pieces of this World Cup while uh, in the early morning hours, FIBA rules are so much better than NBA rules with the, uh, you know, being able to get the ball off the rim once it hits and, you know, some of the different transition rules and things like that. It's just so much of a better game. It's a better viewing experience. So I will say FIBA has that going for them, but uh, the Americans have looked really good, but uh, a little sluggish in these first halves, which is something they'll have to clean up here moving forward. Uh, Canada has just dominated these teams, which is a bit surprising. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, the Dominican with uh, Carl Anthony Towns is uh, 2-0 and and already advanced to the next round, which is a little bit of an upset, to be completely honest with you. Then, of course, my guy Luca, Slovenia is 2-0, and and Luca's averaging like 36-8 and in FIBA ball, which is just outrageous. So we love to see that. It's on brand for Luca, but... Reed, I don't know if you have a pick. I mean, it's kind of hard to not pick the Americans at this point. But uh, the non-American category, do you have a, uh, you know, an upset contender maybe? I'm actually not leaning Team USA. Um, I've watched them play a number of times. Uh, my love for Anthony Edwards cannot be stated enough. But, you know, it is a team game, and he can't do it all by himself at 22 years old. So, you know, I've loved what Canada's done. You know, they don't have the star power that some other teams have, but they do have their guy, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, there. And, you know, he's been unbelievable. Um, and it seems like they're playing the best team ball of any team um, in the FIBA World Cup. So, you know what? I If I was to go outside the USA, um, I'm, I'm leading Canada. Cat um, and the Dominican, it won't last. I can assure you that. So... Yeah, I'm leaning Canada here. Do not be alarmed, folks. Everything is fine. This this too shall pass with the Dominican. There's no need to worry about them moving forward. But, uh, you know, the Dortcher chamber is fired up there with Lou Dort. So Canada's been strong. I'm going to lean with the Australians. I know they lost to Germany without Mo Wagner, which is concerning to say the least, because now they have to beat Japan to just move on. But... Uh, I think they can do that. And then they have nine NBA players on their roster. So I think if anybody is primed to take out the Americans, I do believe it is the Aussies there. So fun stuff with the FIBA World Cup. If you have ESPN Plus, I would recommend uh, trying to find a stream. The Americans typically play about 8 o'clock in the mornings. And uh, 
it's a really fun brand of basketball. So would recommend there. And then lastly, I mean, we could have gone with who was most likely to get kicked out of a foreign country. I saw a tweet that uh, somebody posted that they took a picture of this lovely couple and then uh, tweeted out something. And the Japanese government had this lady deported, which, I mean, is just the most outrageous thing ever. Uh, but the easy answer here is that Reed is definitely the most likely to get kicked out of a foreign country. So there's no there's no real Reed need to have a discussion there. Uh, Reed, do you have any thoughts on that? You know, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with no comment here. <laughs> Play the fifth officer. <laughs> but uh, all right, let's wrap it up here with the college football theme. It got us to thinking this week one. Who are the three best college football teams of our lifetime? Since 2000, we'll go with the best college football teams draft. We think that three is appropriate on this one. Now, we thought three was appropriate on the last draft as well, but too many good options on the plate there, if you will. So, But three on this one I do believe is perfect. I didn't think ahead and get the magic number generator set up, so we'll do it live. One to 50 again, gentlemen. Pick a number. Reed, I'll start with you. I'll take 21 here. 21. Grayson, That's what my, do you have? That was my number. Uh, 43. Ooh. I'll go with uh, – we'll go with one. I will employ the Reed rollout strategy of one. So we've got 21, 43, and one. Here we go. The number is – 33 33 i know i am last that has just kicked me straight out that's me so we've got we've got the gray man first reed second me third and then we'll snake it back four five six seven eight nine so grayson the uh the number one pick is on the table of all of the college football teams of the last 25 years who's the best one there's no other football team that's even comparable to this team. You see documentaries talking about this football team and how their backups were starters in the NFL. Give me the 2001 Miami team. Sean Taylor, Vince Wilfork, Frank Gore, and Willie McGahee. Come on. That's a solid group there. There were a lot of different ways you could go with that top pick, but I don't think you let us down there with number one. Reed, a lot of good value still on the board here with this with this draft. Uh, I'm interested to see where you're headed on this one. You know, this, there might be some recency bias here. Um, also knowing that I do have uh, my favorite player on this team also makes the world go round. I'm going with the 2019 LSU Tigers. You got Jamar Chase. You got Justin Jefferson. You have Joe Burrow. Um, that's literally all I need to say. That's a great, that's I mean, a great pick. That's a great pick. It might be the greatest offense of all time. Yeah. You have probably the top two young receivers in the game right now. Um, and if not the top two young QBs in the game right now. So they were unreal. And I feel pretty good about that. I'm glad they fell to me at two. That's a solid pick there. You know, that was an option I was considering there in the three hole. So that's a little bit disappointing to see that one off the board. But given I've got back-to-back picks here, I think it's I think it's poetic that I go with these two teams here. So in the number three hole, I'm going to take 2004 USC. 
the year before they lost to Texas in the Rose Bowl. That team was in the midst of a 39-game win streak. Matt Leinart, prime Reggie Bush, Lindale White up in the backfield. I mean, it was the Trojan horse. I mean, they made a whole documentary about it with Snoop out there running around. You got Pete Carroll out there doing illegal things, which is, you know, yeah, he was truly before his time in that regard. So shout out to him and Reggie Bush for that one. But uh, that's a team that I feel like kind of gets lost in history a bit. So we'll take the team that actually won the title. We'll take 2004 USC. And then to back that up, we'll take the team that won the title the next year. We'll take 2005 Texas. You've got Vince Young, who was truly ahead of his time with the RPO offense and the quarterback run game. You got Jamal Charles out there running around in the backfield. Good receiver group, although there weren't a ton of big names up there on the receiver group. A lot of good D-line depth, great corners. I mean, that was in the prime of the DBU days of Texas. So back-to-back teams that won the title in the back-to-back years, and they gave us the title game of the century. So I think it's fitting that both of them go here in the three and the four hole. So 2005 Texas, number four on the board. You know, I had a feeling that you might have been headed there, um, both with those picks. So, uh, can't say I'm surprised there. Uh, you know, one team jumped out to me, jumped out at me here. Um, I'm going to go with the 2018 Clemson Tigers, the true freshman, the true freshman year of Trevor Lawrence. Um, in their final ten games of the year, they outscored their opponents 474. To 113, utter domination, um, including the last two college football playoff games, totaling a 74 to 19 score. So these games weren't close. Um, you had Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, and Clemson led the country in several defense categories, allowing just 13.1 points per game. This team was unbelievable. Um, I feel pretty good getting him here in the tooth hole. You know, that's a, that's a sore subject for me right there, talking about that 2018 Tigers team. I was uh, in Jerryland watching that game next to some uh, – right on the intersection of Notre Dame and Clemson, and all of the Notre Dame fans left around the third quarter. What a, what a dang shame. Uh, from here, I've got this – I got two picks back-to-back. I like this spot. Something similar to what, what Etzel did last time. I'm going to go with two teams – Back-to-back national champions. Um, I'm going to take the 2008 Florida Gators. Tim Tebow, Pouncey Brothers, Percy Harvin. uh, The man himself, Aaron Hernandez. Just an absolute goon squad led by the the pasture man himself. And in in my third spot, I'm going to take the 2009... Alabama Crimson Tide. Give me Trent Richardson, Mark Ingram, AJ McCarron. Quite the uh, quite the squad in the back there. Can I just mention the fact that that 2008 Florida Gators team and the players that were on that team, either in their time at Florida or after, 41 of those guys have been arrested, which is just outstanding. That has got to be some sort of Guinness World Record for like arrest to. Uh, you know, like player ratio. And like, this was part of your all bus team as well with, uh, you know, Tebow and Aaron Hernandez. I mean, 
there's so many characters in there that uh, it's just truly incredible what that team was able to accomplish. Stinky Urban out there leading the squad. Yeah. I mean, hey, that's what you get when you get Urban as the coach. <laughs> it's just running amok out there. Just bad people doing bad things. So that's a good pick, though. I am uh, I'm disappointed. They were on my list. Reed, we kick it to you with the number eight pick. Your last pick of the draft. What do you got? You know, I figured this one would be available um, just because of, you know, how some of these players might have fared in the NFL. Um, Grayson shaking his head. I don't think you know where I'm going with this one. I think I but do. But I'm going to go I'm going to go for 2013 Florida State Seminoles. Kelvin Benjamin and Jameis Winston, baby. What a dynamic yep. freaking duo. I would just like to say that you may laugh now just because Jameis is Jameis and well, Kelvin is Kelvin, but they were the highest scoring team in college football history. It's just, it's, you don't expect that. Um, led by Jimbo, which we've um, often talked down about, but you know what? These guys got it done. They averaged 51.6 points per game and allowed 12.1. So, yeah, I am definitely. Not mad about uh, Dr. Crab Legs over there in Florida State. <laughs> That's exactly so, what I put online. Crab Legs and Kelvin Benjamin, quite the duo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, definitely excited that that one was still available. And I think this leaves you in a in in one prime spot to uh to make a make a selection. I think I know where I'm going with this one. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways that I could go here. Um, there's a few teams that were lost to history a little bit. You look at like, uh, you know, some teams that even lost the game who went on some heaters to get it done. You look at that Ohio state team. Uh, you look at that Ohio state team that uh, with Zeke Elliott and Cardell Jones that were kind of went on that all time heater there to beat Bama and then Oregon to win the playoff could go that direction. Could go 2010 Auburn, the team with Cam Newton that won a national title. But, uh, you know, we're not going to go that direction. We're going to go with a more recent team here. We're going with a team that even lost a game during their season. We're taking the 2021 Georgia Bulldogs, who, and I'm looking at it right now, had five first-round picks. And two more in the second round for a total of seven players in the top 65 of the draft, including the number one pick, Trayvon Walker. It was a team that led the NCAA in scoring defense throughout the season. They were 14-1. and Their only loss was to Alabama, which they avenged in the national title game. They allowed something ridiculous like 9.7 points per game during that run, which is just outrageous. So, I mean, it's a, it's a recency bias pick, and I know they didn't have the greatest quarterback play with Stetson Bennett, but that was a team that was just so utterly dominant that I feel like they need a mention there. So we are going with 2021 Georgia. Feel free to flame me, but that's where we're going. Yeah, no, I'm not mad about that. Um, maybe one of the best defensive teams ever. They were unbelievable. Um, I actually thought you were going with the – 
the Mickey Mouse ring in 2020, which would have been Alabama. But glad you didn't go down that route. <laughs> that year was lost to history, and it deserved to be so. So we are happy to omit the uh, the COVID year. Omit the COVID year. So uh, with that, we go ahead and look at the board here. So we have Grayson, who I need you to repeat your picks because I didn't write them down. I got 2001 Miami. That's all I got from you. Got 2001 Miami, 2008 Florida Gators, 2009 Alabama. Will you go ahead and run down your draft selections there? I got the 2019 LSU Tigers. I went, I finished up with uh, 2013 Florida State and I. 2018 Clemson. Yep. All right. And with me, I went. With 2004 USC, 2005 Texas, and 2021 Georgia, so that's a fun exercise there. I feel like that one's an even an even draft. To be completely honest with you, both of us got one of our picks, and then we kind of both had to shake our heads at uh, some of the teams that got stolen right out from under us. So I think that was a successful draft there from the boys. Once again, thanks for listening to us. Thanks for Reed to coming on and helping us with these college football previews. We will see you again next Wednesday. Grayson and I will be back sometime Sunday for a Monday pod release over the Labor Day weekend. Maybe delay that pod to give in the holiday, but we'll have something to you early next week. And then next week, week two college football, which is a massive slate, which is going to be just a blast. Followed up by week one NFL coming out on Sunday. So going to be a sports fiesta next week, and we can't wait to bring it to you. So for Grayson, for Reed, I am Tyler. Thanks for listening to the GT Counter, and we will see you later. Peace.